0: Welcome to the Life Cycle Lady Podcast, the place to be to talk about all that we wonder, whisper, and wish we knew about our bodies, hormones, and life cycle changes. In this space, I offer vulnerability, wisdom, connection, and helpful transformational mind-body-spirit tools. Please join me as I take the stigma out, stop the whisper, and speak out loud about the life cycle phases from puberty to menopause. Hello everyone. (coughs) Pardon me, I'm just kind of getting over a little cold here. Hopefully, I think I've lost the like sexy raspy voice and I'm kind of in that like stuffed up nasally voice. So sorry about that. Um, Welcome to episode five. In this episode, I'm actually going to talk about um, how to stay connected with your daughter through the puberty transition. So this podcast is actually born out of the whispers of women that I get all the time. I get them in my emails, inbox. Um, I get them in public when people kind of hear about what I do or in the classes that I teach. Um, And the whispers are about our own experience of puberty in relation to our own relationships with our mothers. So what I often hear from women is they either come to my classes or they start to talk to me about their own relationships with their mothers. And most of the time, these are incredibly strained relationships or non-existent relationships. Um, And most of the time, they say that this actually occurs or occurred during that transitionary phase in puberty, basically. Um, And I think a lot of women um, focus on how that they don't want that to happen. Whether or not you have a strained relationship with your mom or not, I think a lot of people, I know a lot of women tell me that they actually feel really scared that they're going to lose this connection with their daughters during this time period. So we all have our different stories of puberty, and we all have different relationships with our moms. So I'm hoping that some of what I'm going to offer in this podcast will speak to you um, out there listening, and I hope that it's going to help you. I'm going to. I hope that it's going to help you heal. I hope that it's going to help alleviate some of those worries for you. I hope that it's going to help you give you kind of signposts for those of you that are navigating this puberty thing already with your own daughter. And I hope it's going to help you come out the other side maintaining or even strengthening the bond. And I think actually even saying that, maintaining or strengthening the bond, I think a lot of people believe that, that I know a lot of women believe that's not even possible. Like it's part of the process that we lose that connection. Um, for a lot of women, they focus on the connection that they lost to their own bodies during puberty, which I'm going to cover in another po- podcast. But this one is specifically more about trying to maintain that connection and that relationship with your daughter as you're going through puberty. So <coughs> I want to address, to begin with, what the heck I'm talking about when I'm talking about puberty, right? Because if you, like, Google what the definition of puberty is, it's basically the changes that are going on in the body um, that occur between the ages of 8 to 13 is what most definitions will give you. So I have a different opinion of puberty. And in my opinion, puberty actually begins around the age of 8 or 9. When, m- when the hormones of the bodies are turned on and the brain starts to change. So those first few years, most of the time we don't even notice the bodily changes. And if we do, they're slight. However, just as a side note, if you do notice them for your own daughter or if you did start to develop at eight or nine yourself, um, that's actually totally nor- within the realm of normal. And I do want to say that we all develop differently, right? We all know that. I think... For those of us that developed really early, we physically at least, we felt very much like everyone was looking at us, and for those of us that developed on the later side, we felt like, again, everyone was looking at us and that we were getting left behind and left out, right? That's a really, really common thing I hear from um, women my own age of the cultural narrative of the time. I so far I work with girls 8 all the way up to 15. I'm not hearing that from them. So, I'm I'm hearing a lot of different things from them from what it was like what it is like to be them versus what it was like to be us, right? Like a lot of us dealt with like the smacking or strapping of bras, bra strap snapping and just like a lot of inappropriate behavior and know we just dealt with uh, with stuffing of bras all sorts of things and um in the communities and I actually serve quite a wide community right I'm not in just one area I do travel different states and even within my own state I travel to very diverse areas of socioeconomic backgrounds and racial backgrounds so I feel and uh, cultural and religious so I feel like the pulse in has been definitely shifted and like girls don't care so much about when their bodies are um, developing, but total digression. So what I'm talking about is really um, what I'm defining as puberty. So I'm defining that first phase, um, that like eight to 12 year old phase is when the body changes are mostly happening um, and when those hormonal changes are really, really ramping up. So a lot of the emotional stuff is happening. A lot of the brain stuff is happening. And definitely the hormone physical changes are happening. So I would say that 8 to 12 or 8 to 13 is uh, phase one or the early phase of puberty. And really it's just characterized by those hormones turning on and trying to find some sort of balance and doing their work on their physical body, right? So beginning in the middle school for many girls or around the age of 13, Nowadays, we're putting middle school for sixth graders. So I'm, I'm talking more around the seventh, eighth graders that are going in middle school. So be, beginning around then, around the age of 13, the, I would say that the second phase of puberty begins. The, so this one is more brain-based and involves like a deeper sense of self, a sense of tribe versus a sense of individu- individuality. I would say that puberty... Um, in this phase is less focused on the physicality shifting and more focused on the emotional and development, the brain development, and just basically the sense of self and individuality being developed. Um, this is the time where, you know, one thing I do see is body image is definitely coming up during this age. Um, and mm, what I'm seeing is that it's definitely affected by social media, what we're seeing as a culture. Um, so body image is definitely coming up and, <coughs> you know, other things that go along with that. I'm not going to go too much into that. Basically, I wanted to say that, again, my definition of puberty is like 8 to 19. I would say that... Puberty ends when the prefrontal cortex is developed in girls, which is around the age of 19. So I'm talking about a pretty wide gap, a decade's worth of time. Um, And in that second phase of puberty, uh, individuation, big long word, individuation begins. So individuation is actually, in like clinical terms, the process By which a person achieves a sense of individuality, separates from the identities of others, and begins to consciously exist as a human in the world. So basically, it's totally another word for teen rebellion. Teen angst, teens pushing away, right? That's basically what big long word individuality is. The cool thing about individuality, in fact, the very process of individuation is very normal. Actually, it marks a very stable personality. So as a person individuates from their parents, they gain a clear sense of self that separates them from the parents. So during this process, like adolescent egocentrism might arise. And that, again, is really, really normal. So basically, like your kid might become like an egomaniac, like everything is about them, everything revolves around them. Um, like they're just very internally focused. And that is very, very, very normal. So this process of individuation occurs at more points in our lives than just puberty, but it is the most important during the tween, teen, and early adult years. Um, If this process doesn't occur, if they don't start to break off from their parents and create their own identity that is separate from their parents, It will occur at some point, and so, I mean, if you do any research on individuation um, in relationship to parents in adult years, it can be a lot more brutal, like, when you're 35-year-old, all of a sudden stops, like, starts treating you (laughs) as if you were going through that teen rebellion, right? You have this really, really close relationship, no sense of self or individuality, it it was very just much... um, Stunted if you stay in Like you don't find your own sense of self like you just do what your parents ask you to do what your parents plan is for you um, It doesn't have anything I'm not saying that this has anything to do with connection um, Although when I talk about the next what this actually means like what this looks like this Individuation you might think that I'm talking more about connection. So let me let me go there So, individuation, which is totally normal, egocentrism, totally normal, totally supposed to happen, just like those toddlers, those little egocentric toddlers that, like, can't share totally normal in their brain, right? It means that they want more privacy. It means that they're going to want more alone time. It means that they aren't going to be as open with you. It means that they might keep things to themselves. You might not know all of their friends, you might not know if they have a crush on someone. Um, they rebel. Meaning, like, if they were raised, I don't know, conservative Christian. They might now try on being an atheist, right? That's a pretty extreme example. They might take up veganism. They might dye their hair purple, listen, listen to music that they know you don't enjoy. They might do things that's a very outside the realm of what you have like created in your bubble of your family, right? So this, again, is normal, and it isn't against you, Right? This isn't against you. This isn't a dig on you as a parent. This isn't because you thought you raised them so well, but geez, what are they turning into? This has nothing to do with that. This also does not mean that you don't have boundaries. This also does not mean that you don't say no to risky behavior. In fact, it means just the opposite, (coughs) right? As that sort of rebellion comes in, um, one parenting philosophy might be to let that rebellion happen. Another parenting philosophy might be to let the rebellion happen that isn't harming them. Does that make sense? So like the purple hair dying, not really harming them. Having some more alone time, not really har- harming them. Having a crush that you don't know about, not really harming them. Acting on that crush and engaging in risky behavior, definitely harming. Uh going and becoming an atheist, not really harming them. Not that one probably would be a hard. Any religious thing, I would, I would feel like, or any moral, going against like some moral that you have, would probably really be really hard. Um, becoming a vegan probably pretty hard. Not gonna harm them, right? It's not gonna harm them. So my su- my suggestion is, <coughs> have those boundaries. Have them very stru- stay strong. Stay strong with them, but know what your know your battles basically. So again, you might think, all right, lady, you're telling me that all these things are really, really normal, that it's normal that they're going to like push away from me, want more alone time, be gone from me, blah, blah, blah. But you're saying that this podcast episode is how to have connection, how not to create a relationship where you don't talk to your mom anymore or your daughter anymore or to have a, a strained relationship, right? Because that's what I'm hearing many of you say is I don't want to repeat the same relationship I have. I want to do it different. And I'm petrified that it's not going to be that way. Even if that is not your story and you just want to learn more about connection, keep listening. So for those of you out there um, that do have the story that you are very, very scared about the non-existent relationship you have with your parent that more than likely occurred during the puberty ages for various reasons, right? I'm not even going to give examples because we all have our own stories. Um, Probably had to do with rebellion, probably had to do with how they handled it, may have had to do with their own um, inner demons, let's say and you're discovering of those those inner demons because you're now more adult-like and more aware of what's going on. Whereas when you're a child, you can kind of, you don't see those things, right? So I have a few things to offer as advice for those of you who have these really strained, unhealthy relationships with your parents and you're trying not to repeat the same thing. So the first thing I would say is you have to do your own healing work on this, right? You need to recognize what is yours and what is theirs, meaning what is your parents'. (coughs) You need to find out where your feelings of not worthy, not loved, abandonment, or whatever you're feeling inside, whatever lack you're feeling inside, whatever strain that caused on your life that then manifests in other ways in your life, um, Whatever, th- where you need to figure out wherever that came from in that time period. It might be specific, a specific memory, or it might just be like something that was put on you, right? That's what I said. Is it yours or is it theirs? If it's theirs, you need to figure out a way to let it go, right? And not have it be yours. One thing that I often suggest, um, well, I suggest working with a uh, psychologist if, if it's within your realm of something you would like to do and or something you're able to do economically. Um, but therapy is really good at helping you kind of talk to your inner child. So even if you're not excited about going to therapy or if it's not economically available to you, just Googling inner child work, you will find a lot of resources online on how to do that, but basically finding a way to connect with your own inner child and do some work around it and help kind of purge what's going on in your life. So another thing is making it a priority, right? Um, if not, if you don't make dealing with this a priority, Life is simply going to trigger the healing work that you're going to need and it may not be as productive, right? Meaning, life meaning probably your kid is going to trigger it in you for you to kind of see what happened to you and probably you are. Or very likely you are going to live a similar existence as you did with your own parents, right? Um, If you didn't learn the tools to handle this time period really well, if you didn't see a modeling, that doesn't mean it's definitely going to happen to you because if you've done the healing work around it, if you realize it wasn't your own, you know you want to do it differently, um, you've done some work around it, then definitely it d- history does not have to repeat itself in, at all. However, if you haven't done that work, if you haven't made it a priority, if you haven't, I don't know, even something as simple as journaling, Right asking some questions. Where does this come from? What was that memory about? What is, why do I do this in relation? Why does this part of puberty seem really, really hard to me? What am I really afraid of might happen with my daughter? What did I see happen with me? What do I not want to repeat? Like going there, going to those really scary, dark places. That's why I suggest having someone to help guide you. Um, But that's not everyone, not everyone does it. And it it can still heal without that. Um, so journaling is, a gr- is basically like having a therapist on paper, right? Um, <coughs> join a group of others who have similar experiences and are also wanting to grow from them. Um, just using Google, right? Like I said, Google inner child work. Google how to heal from past trauma. Google how to have a better relationship with your teen, how to write, all these kind of things, but really focusing on what your own experience is and trying to heal from that. Because like I said, if not, you're going to get those triggers come up with your own kid and it's going to trigger like that hurt part of you that isn't going to react from a place of awareness. It's going to act from a place of hurt right and trauma and probably fear um and that doesn't mean you have to be perfect right it does not mean that at all it does not mean that oh crap I should have done this work before and my kid's like 14 now or my kid's nine now and now it's just gonna like our relationship is gonna be really really hard that's not true at all You can do this work at any time. It can go as fast, as slow as you need it to go. And any little bit of progress and any little bit of healing is going to open the stage for a better relationship. Um, Use your past and use your relationship as positive fuel forward. You have to also figure out what your triggers are. So that you have a fighting chance for when those situations come up because they're going to come up. Like that is, remember, I just said it's really, really normal for your kid to rebel. It's really, really normal for them to push away. And we can't react to that as if they're pushing us away and we're not normal and it's against us because how they're going to come at us is going to be like it's against us. But that's actually not what's happening, right? Um, and some of them do that better than others, and they know our buttons, right, they know our buttons, they know how to push us, and so we're all triggered by things, right, Um, and so knowing, like trying to figure out, and when you're doing your journaling, what some of that looks like, and if you can't heal from it, just know what it is, and then have a plan, right, you're going to take three deep breaths, you're not going to talk about this horrible behavior that's coming out right now, you're going to Maybe you're going to take an hour in your room. Maybe you won't talk about it until the next day. You are going to have the boundary. You are going to have the consequences. If that's what needs to happen, you will have the conversation. But you're not going to do it right in the moment where everything's hot and heavy in your head, right? You're going to do some journaling. You're going to do some crying probably. Um, And you're going to do what you need to do to come at it from a place that you're not going to be repeating what was done to you. Um, The third and last thing I'm going to say for those of you that have strained or disconnected um, relationships is don't blame it on puberty or the time period, right? A lot of people just blame it on puberty. When I went through puberty, it was that time period that caused all these horrible things to happen in my relationship or in my life. So for people to come out of this time period really not fractured (coughs) and to have it be a normal part of the individuation we need to see it as, an, as very normal, right? That push-pull, that's normal. The seeking a sense of self, that's, that's very different than you, that's really normal. The abil- ability to reconnect and come back, that's also normal. If that didn't occur when you were younger, more than likely, although it's not, you, not everyone's story, it was probably your parents' ability to repair and to communicate or lack of ability to repair and communicate. Right? They didn't have the tools. And if you're listening to this, more than likely, you are now seeking these tools because you do not want to repeat the same scenario, right? But I guess the last thing I will say is um, also, it. you know, we all have, like, in my family growing up, I used to think my mom loved my brother more than me. And as an adult reflecting on that, like, I truly believe that. It's that my mom got my brother more than my mom got me. That doesn't mean she didn't love me or anything, right? I understand some I have four children, I understand some of them more than I understand others of them. I have a different connection with all of them. I parent them, although the values and morals and boundaries are the same, but I do can't I can parent them kind of differently. Because I connect and I understand. So the ones that I don't understand as much, I definitely really, really work. At that understanding. Hopefully that makes sense. All right, so what is my best advice to then stay connected? I have a bunch of them, so sit tight. Um, The first thing I would say is detachment or letting go, which is one of the things I suggest doing, um, does not mean abandonment. So, you got to be on the sidelines. You got to know as much as you can about what's going on in the game. You got to know as much as you can about what's going on in her life by being on the sidelines. Not being like always asking questions because uh, if any of you have known, if you ask questions, sometimes you get like these crazy exaggerated, like, ah, why do you always have to know and be nosy and know everything about my life? And, that. Uh, and then the opposite could happen. She could say, why don't you ever want to know about my life, right? So so how to be on the sidelines is like, if they're still under the age of 16 or they're not driving, drive everywhere you can if that's possible for you. Drive everywhere that is possible. Take the friends everywhere. Listen to what's going on in her life. Notice the moods. Notice the shifts. Notice if there's just some like a week, you know, maybe hormonal down period or if that's like now turning into like a month, right? Make a daily and weekly connection time. So simply make it simple, make it free, and make it non-negotiable. I suggest starting early, like at the age of eight, nine. You do this weekly connection time. They will be so psyched, um, and now it's part of your life. And it's really easy to keep it going. It's this part. This time is the touchstone for things when things come up and when they go bad. So my husband and son go on dates, he's 15, or a walk around the block, even when he's grumpy, maybe even when they're not talking, but at some point they always connect, right? The conversations always begin. Something always shifts. So I'm talking about non-negotiable time that you're hanging out with your kid. Doesn't have to be hours. It can be, I, you know, I have... A very busy life, four kids, lots going on, several jobs. My husband has several jobs. Like we got a big full life and we also have a lot of downtime that we create and that we do these dates every week. So do some sort of date every week and touch, hug two times a day. A good friend told me this when my kids were very, very little. Make sure you hug two times every day. Touch is important. Um, And they don't get it very much. You might find yourself being like, when was the last time I actually hugged you, right? Um, Find something you both like to do. Let them hate most of what you like, but find some sort of common ground and explain that you want to have that connection and fun. Number three is wait out the silence. So give lots of space for words to come out, like painful sometimes, right? It's just painful when they, you know they want to tell you something and you're sitting down and maybe you ask an opening question, don't follow it up 30 seconds later with another question. It's just going to shut them down more. For most kids. Not all, but most. Give them lots of space. Like five, (laughs) ten minutes sometimes. You're sitting in silence. Eventually, words will come out. If they don't, write a letter. Write them a letter. Leave it in their room. You don't have to talk about the letter afterwards. Just write the letter. Number four, be there. Don't disconnect and don't take it personal. So, those people, those crazy tweens, I actually have a book that is called Yes, Your Teen is Crazy. Um, they can act a little crazy sometimes. They might say some pretty crappy things to us, some like downright horrible things to us that really push our buttons. So, don't react if you can, and don't, don't, um, even respond in those moments so do what you need to do to kind of center yourself and come at it fiercely and with boundaries when you're able to um if they if they do push your buttons and you react then reconnect and apologize for your actions right and then you leave the space for them to apologize for them their own number five expectations you aren't their friend You are not their friend. You are their parent, right? So it's really nice when they love you when they're little and they love you most of the time and they're snuggly and cute and still kind of crazy also, right? Those toddlers. But it feels really nice. It might not feel very nice for a while. But that's fine. As long as there's those connection points, as long as you maintain those connection points, those weekly ones, those daily ones, right? Even when the seasons are really hard, it might be a really hard year, that connection is going to stay there and it will strengthen and it will come back at some point, right? Because the point is we're trying not to have super strained or like non-existent relationships, so they might be strained for a while, but if you have those connection points, right, they will it will always it's he- like healing, basically. Number six, let it be all about them. They're egocentric. And don't forget t- to tell them that you you see what they're going through. Not like I went through it. Try not to actually say the I, right, and connect with them in that way. That tends to not really work. Just know that Tell them you get it, that you see it. Number seven, non-negotiables. I don't know what that looks like for you, but dinner, maybe hi- a hike a week, a date a week. What is your non-negotiable? Set some non-negotiables and set them out loud and talk about why, but just set those. And they're non-negotiable, right? If, if things come up, right? My kiddo actually is about to start a new sport, which is during his dad and his date night and so that's a non-negotiable so it's like okay well we got to look at the schedule and see if we can go to another time or we don't get to do the sport because that is our most important thing right and it's kind of like I don't know sometimes those kids man you you set the boundaries they hem and haw and they freak out but afterwards I don't know about your kids but afterwards after I set the boundary and I hold the boundary my kids are so much nicer afterwards it's like they're pushing up against to make sure they're still safe right Number eight, time to recharge for yourself and connect with other parents who are going through it and can hold you when it is freaking rough, right? You need that. We all, all need that. Don't do it alone. Don't suffer alone and think your kid is the only one freaking out and pushing back and dyeing their hair purple or whatever. Number nine, no, it's not going to last forever. It's not. Sometimes it's just a year. Sometimes it's several years. Um, and sometimes they don't come back until they're in college. But they'll come back. As long as you keep those touch points, I promise you they will come back. Boundaries. I've talked about, I've alluded to them on and off. But some things are going to push their button, but they're not going to hurt them. And some things need major boundaries. Come up with these in advance and your plan around them. And communicate that with them. Communicate your expectations with them them right so that they know when they go outside they're instantly you're on it you're on the boundary you already have the the thing the like consequence in your head obviously there's going to be stuff that's going to come up that you haven't foreseen right but there's stuff like there's normal stuff the drinking the drugs sex right those are like huge things but also like what about lying about curfew or skipping curfew or getting back grades. Like what What are those things for you? So think about them and set, like really be intentional and plan ahead of time because I promise you if you're so clear about that ahead of time, there's no reaction. And what happens is it's in those reaction phases that things are said that can often really cut deep and stick with us, right? Talk. State your expectations, state your boundaries. Tell them what you you how you want them to treat you and how you what you expect from them, right? Use non-evaluative correction. So mistakes are supposed to happen just during this time. They're supposed to get in trouble. They're supposed to mess up while they're in your house. They're supposed to. So that they can see what happens while they're still like, you know, kind of safe in your nest. So try not to say you're never gonna you're, are you ever gonna grow up? You're too old for this behavior. How could you have done such a stupid thing? That's evaluating the behavior, right? That's evaluating them, really. So they know this already, and it doesn't help. So address their choices. I disagree with the choice you made because of X, Y, and Z, and now this is gonna happen, and here's what I hope you learn. Don't evaluate them. Evaluate their choices. This keeps their ears open to you and it keeps that connection open. If you say, you're so stupid, how could you have done this? You, 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 berate, 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 because you're really crazy in the moment, right? That turns off their listening. They get, they just switch off. If you say, this action, this action was stupid. This happened. Now this is going to happen and now here's your boundaries, Right? That keeps them open. That is talking about the behavior they did rather than the valuation of them as a person. Number 13, value arguments. Value arguments as communication and don't walk away from them or let them walk away. So just like in marriages, arguments or breakdowns can allow us to uncover things that can lead to breakthroughs. So if you haven't been given the best communication skills, because communication is definitely a skill, some of us really don't like arguments or confrontation, if that is you, then go online and search good communication skills for arguments and start learning, right? If you'd never heard that don't say you, you, you thing, definitely. Google, there's tons of like free classes and university stuff and all sorts of just websites, just dedicated. So start practicing and start learning, right? Let that be your goal because the more you learn, then you can teach them, right? So let those arguments end up being connection points and let those, I don't know about you, but I've had many arguments with my husband and they almost always, once we come through the other side, lead to greater connection, right? If we really have done the work and really resolved what we need to have resolved, right? Same with the kids. And finally, number 14, seek help, help if needed. Seek help. If you need it, seek help for them or for you just to talk about. Maybe you don't have friends you can talk about. Is this normal or not? Maybe you haven't found that group. Go see a therapist yourself. Is this normal? And they're going to tell you, yeah, it's really normal, your kid is so normal that they're dying their hair purple and they hate everything you hate and they're constantly lashing out, but yet they're still really good and sweet, right? That's really, really normal. The risky behavior, then get help with the risky behavior. If you can't think of consequences or boundaries or if you just feel like they are running all over you, get help. Don't let that get out of control. Don't let them ha- rock all over those boundaries, Right? If you can't figure it out, get help. So those are, that was a lot. Hopefully that helped. um, But those are some great ways to stay connected. Most of those are really simple. Some of them require a lot more learning on your part. But I have to tell you, if you really if you're if you've come to listen to this podcast because you truly want something different for your and your child's relationship than you had from the one growing up, or you just really want to stay connected and you're really scared about staying connected, or maybe you just wanted to learn some more tips If you do these things, if you focus on the teen years, rather than being like, sweet, they're on their own. They do their their own food and their own homework and they can drive themselves. And so, bam, we check out a lot, right? Our own life gets back, woo right? There's some of that, but actually they need us the most. If you look at research, it's like that individuation. Yes, they're breaking away. Yes, we let go, we detach, but we also circle around. We come on those sidelines and we are there for them, where they're cheerleaders, right? Also praise. Praise is a huge, huge one that I didn't say. So thank you for listening. As always, leave me a comment below, ask me a question if you need anything, and I will talk to you next episode. Bye.